All right, another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast, this one being video uh, by Courtroom Sciences. And uh, we have Bob Tyson uh, on the line here. Uh, Bob, how are you doing over there in San Diego? I am doing just great, Bill. Thank you. Uh, you're my third podcast of the day. And uh, I apologize for it being so late, but you are three hours behind. A mm -hmm. um, couple quick questions, because uh, we're going to limit these to about 15 minutes. Um, okay. you, and I, you and I were on a roll about two months ago. You had your book. I had my article. We're doing speeches on this stuff. And then everything comes to a grinding halt. My concern is that COVID-19 is distracting the defense bar from the key topic, which is the nuclear verdict topic, which is what your book is all about. What are you seeing with the attention span and where the focus is right now? And do you have any concerns? Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't really have any concerns. But I, I, I will admit, I, I see why the attention span and focus has changed. Though, I mean, the world has changed. Um, yeah, you know, the good news for defendants out there is that we have done some research, and there have been no nuclear verdicts in the last thirty days. Yeah, <laughs> um, that is. So I, I mean, you know, we know why, right? But yeah. obviously, it's not going to be on their minds. But it. What'll be interesting is we, we did a webinar on what will, uh, you know, what might juries be like, not on coronavirus type cases, but just the first cases that come out of the shoot. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting. Like the one thing that's pretty clear is that uh, nuclear verdict is not going away. No, they're, they're not going away. It, it's not like, uh, I mean, I'd like to think that uh, defense lawyers are spending this Time right now, reading my book and reading your articles and listening to your, your webcast, but uh, I don't know what they are. What is your opinion? And we talked about this when we did the first podcast, which was quite lengthy, about forty-five minutes, which I think was just phenomenal. But your opinion well, my my mom thought it was a little bit long, which was a bad sign. But my mom said it was good, but it was a little long, Bobby. I was like, yeah. But there's so much important information to share, Bob. So I mean, come on. We, we could have gone twice as long. <laughs> Actually, we, we, we can. And that's why I want to keep doing these with you to keep yeah. disseminating all this information uh, that we can. Um, talk a little bit about the concept, because we talked about this in the other podcast, which I don't think is getting near enough attention. The nuclear settlement as opposed to the nuclear verdict. I, I think this is a real danger because some of these – crazy particularly from the reptile folks the crazy demands coming out and the uh, plaintiff's bar essentially saying you know i got you right here you're going to pay x amount for this case otherwise you're going to be in the front page of the new york times kind of where do you see the whole nuclear settlement issue going yeah i mean they they have a they have a gun to the defendants insurance companies head they plaintiff's lawyers they're good man they're good at what they do and they're good at letting the world know what they do. So yeah. you, you either, the other thing is try to get a confidential settlement. You know, back in the day, they didn't care if it was confidential or it wasn't. They, they wanted their third or their 40%. Now they don't want a confidential settlement because typically what, whatever their case is, they're thinking, what can I do with this case going forward, right? How am I going to get this on my social media platform? Yep. Um, so big settlements, big verdicts. That's great. 
you know, they'll, they'll get compensated for that. But it's really what it does for their cases in the future. So we're seeing a lot of big settlements. Which is unfortunate, but um, the reality of the situation. Bob, tell us a, a bit. Tell us a little bit about your book and the type of reception it's 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 gotten. Because when I read it, I, I was like, "Wow, like this guy is not holding back." <laughs> and you, you pretty much call out the defense bar that you know they're going to be tougher. They're going to be more aggressive. What has been the feedback from defense attorneys based on uh, your publication? So it, it's been interesting. The defense attorneys' response even though I've been challenging them, uh, has been fantastic. And I'm not just saying that like the way a politician might say it, like just ignore all the bad stuff. No, universally, um, it's been wonderful feedback from defense lawyers, many of whom were were doing these things, but just hadn't organized it or, or really taken full stock of what the plaintiffs are is up to. So the response from defense lawyers has been surprisingly good for me um, and, and concepts. And then the other problem, or the other uh, clients have been great. In fact, many clients are asking their defense lawyers to read it. So I'm getting emails from defense lawyers saying, oh, we've got a mutual client or ask them to read it. Now, on the other hand, the only bad reviews I've gotten on Amazon have been from plaintiff's lawyers. Oh, go, go figure, go figure. <laughs> So, other than plaintiff's lawyers, very well received. How, because I was talking to a, 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 a insurance carrier yesterday that I'm going to podcast with on Friday uh, in, the, in, the, in the trucking industry. And what we were talking about, he pretty much said, which I totally agree with, and I'd like your guidance on this, is, you know, we can spread the word between, you know, a consultant like me, a, a trial attorney like you. But until you start talking to the people that are writing the checks, the people that control the money at corporations, insurance companies, how do you get this message to them? Because they are the ones, you know, they're trying to save money, they have budgets, but at the same time, they're the ones that are going to be financing the more aggressive approach. How do you, how do you get the message to those people, Bob? So the message the message has been going pretty well. You know, I was supposed to be on a plane every week during this uh, pandemic. So I don't mind this little pause. Um, it's okay. But, but so they were interested. They wanted to hear these ideas. But the problem isn't just defense lawyers. It's, it's the defense industry. The defense industry takes comfort in, in doing the same things we've always done. And unfortunately, the plaintiff's counsel is on to the whole defense approach. And so... It, it is. It has been a struggle, and it'll continue to be a struggle. But we're getting in front of them. It's just changing the way they think and the way they approach cases, and the way the defense, including clients, including defendants, has to change radically. It has to change radically. And to date, it, it's a battle. So the plaintiffs know what we're up to. I mean, I wrote the book. There's the book. It's in that background. Yeah, it's right see. there. They read it. Plaintiffs' lawyers read it. They study their trade. They don't want to know what we're up to. They don't want to see it because they know it works. But then you have the whole defense industry that doesn't really want to do it because it doesn't feel right. It's not the way I've done it the last 30 years. The plaintiff's bar wants you to do the same thing you've always done. And to date, the defense, the defense industry has been very accommodating. That's got to change. Well, I'm hoping for some change because that's really what this industry needs. And um, I'm hoping that between your book, my articles, and doing these podcasts, um, we can make a difference. 
but yeah. it's going to have to be it's going to have to be a persistent message bob a question that's been very popular um i'm getting this stuff via email and just you know feedback from webinars how, how do you see covid 19 impacting jury decision making specifically with the trucking industry and the healthcare industry is that something that's going to really make a difference or is it going to be something short term because i think i mean because everybody's calling truck drivers and healthcare professionals heroes does that carry over into a a jury deliberation it can um i, I really think it's there's there's almost two kinds of answers there are the cases that are going to be heard and go to trial within the next year and then there's the cases that are going to come out of this, you know, where, where healthcare uh, providers are being sued for their care during this pandemic. And, yeah. and that may not be heard for years from now. That can be heard two years from now, three years, four or five years from now. So our memories as Americans are, are pretty short. Um, so that's going to be the challenge for defense lawyers, which is to put the juries back in the shoes of today and remember the fear. Remember right now, Remember that feeling when you didn't know how this was going to turn out, right? Like right now, but, but at some point when, when these cases go to trial years from now, we're all going to say, oh, of course we knew it was going to be over by summertime. Or, oh, we all knew there'd be a vaccine, you know, within eight months. No, we don't know any of that right now. So the challenge of the defense lawyers is to get that jury years from now back in, in, in experiencing the fear and anxiety that we all have today. So it's going to be on us. Totally agree. Uh, last, last, last point, uh, Bob, and we talked about this before, and I want you to plug this because I think it's so important because I know you got some internal training uh, going on for your, that younger, you know, everybody, everybody complains and they're fearful of millennial jurors. Well, what about millennial attorneys? <laughs> I have seen a lot of fear coming from you know, people at your level going on, oh, you know, I, I can't find a good associate or I can't keep a good associate or they don't have a good work ethic or they just don't have the trial experience. What are you doing with your young attorneys to make sure that they can compete with the 30 and 40 something plaintiff attorneys, which by the way, I think they have far better training and experience than the defense bar when it comes to that particular age group. What are you guys doing? So we have ourselves, we have a whole TM university, Tyson Mendez university that's uh, trained folks on our methods, really what's in the book. Um, but also, it's gotten delayed a little bit this year. We, we want to turn out the best trial academy that there is. And in fact, once we, once we do it internally, just like we did, you know, the book is, is a result of internal training that we've decided to share with the industry. Even though no other defense lawyer has ever written a book, Never. No, no. Never. And defense lawyers, we share nothing with each other, right? No, so none. we're sharing it. And our, our hope is, you know, to have, I mean, this, this isn't fair because he, he's an icon and he's brilliant, but, you know, a, a Jerry Spence type of trial academy yeah. for the defense. I mean, to achieve that would be unbelievable. So we want to do something internally, make it be top of class to train these millennial attorneys who just aren't getting the trial experience. And, and then maybe take that out, roll that out. Agree. Hey, Bob, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We'll do this again soon, I promise. And uh, stay safe out there in San Diego. Thanks, Bill. You too. Thanks for all the work you're doing. Appreciate it. Thank you too, Bob.